Welcome to Bark to Reality, the podcast that aims to open up classical music to a wider audience. For copyright purposes, there will be no music played in this podcast. However, there will be a Spotify playlist to accompany this uh, series. The accompanying show notes and details of the accompanying Spotify playlist can be found on the accompanying blog, which will be at barktoreality.wordpress.com. So, episodes one and two have focused on um, an intro to classical music and an intro to one of my favourite composers. Now, I think it's time that we looked into the experience and a few myths around classical music and going and experiencing live music for the first time. Now, I have recently been to a a classical concert at the Southbank Centre in uh, in Waterloo in the um in the centre of London. Um and I think my experience at the Southbank Centre is going to be a little different to what many people will have expected of a classical concert and a classical piece. Um, firstly, this this podcast itself aims to bring classical music to a new audience. And now I was extremely surprised by the uh, the audience in the auditorium last night, but I will uh, I'll come back to that a little bit later on. The first thing that I will say is that most people, when they think of a classical concert, will think very formal, possibly even uh, black tie. Let me just tell you this, that the, the black tie and the tails stops at the edge of the stage. Do not think that you've got to be dressed up, that you've got to be formally dressed just be comfortable in in yourself and aim to relax while you are there um many people that know me well will know that my background is in politics now last year sometime in in uh, 2018 i was told to relax a little bit more in my attire because I considered as did many of my um, my colleagues within the within professional politics I considered um, casual dress to be not wearing a tie now I know that many of my contemporaries within politics will go out campaigning wearing jeans 
I wouldn't personally. The the uh, the most casual that I would go would be chinos. Chinos shirt, maybe a jumper if it's cold. And realistically, that's how I dress for a classical concert. Maybe a jacket, a blazer, depending on the setting, depending on the people that I'm going with. But really, that's the first thing that I will point out, is that it's not the formal occasion that people would expect it to be. The second thing I will say is that it's probably cheaper than people would expect. Um, depending on the seats that you get, it can range from probably... £10 up to £30, £35 for a ticket depending on uh, on the seats that you, you're sat in and obviously the um, the night of the week and the and the orchestra and the the artists that are playing um, I paid £10 each for two tickets to the London Philharmonic Orchestra for last night's performance um, and I have to say there aren't really any bad seats in the house you can see you can see why people will pay for the uh, the seats at the front of the auditorium and for the the, st the balconies and for the seats around the back of the stage but realistically there aren't any bad seats I was sat right at the back in the rear stalls, but there aren't any bad seats. They're all comfortable seats, and you get a decent view no matter what the uh, no matter what what price bracket you're paying. And to be fair, it's an orchestra. It's not a a play. It's not a theatre performance. It's not an opera. It's an orchestra playing. So really. You don't really need the view that you would do for theatre. So even if the, the the view was bad, it doesn't really matter to that degree. Like I say, you you are you are going for the musical performance rather than the view anyway. Yes, there are a few people that wish to get a better view of the of the stage, but really, what you're going for is the the musical experience rather than the view. So, yes, I paid ten pound for decent seats, but at the end of the day, if there were any bad seats, it wouldn't really matter to that degree. Okay, so I said that I was rather surprised by the audience last night. Um, I was surprised, I guess, by the the amount of young people that were in the audience. But I also would like to point out that the vast majority of them were tourists or students. Um... I believe that the 
the average age of classical music listeners, classical music fanatics, if you like, is still a fairly middle-aged to older person's genre of music. Um, that said, there were rather a lot of, of I would say, late 20s, early 30s, but the majority of them were tourists. So they're more than likely trying to get in a bit of cultural London before they disappear off to where they've come from. Um, that said, that is probably a bit of a generalisation, so I apologise if, if that isn't the case. Um, but, yeah, there the, the were... There the were also people who appeared to be there for a particular performance and left when that performance was over. So last night there was a a performance of a Brahms piano concerto followed by um, a piece by Richard Strauss followed by a piece by Sir Edward Elgar and the majority of people in the room seemed to be there for the piano concerto only the auditorium did appear to halve in volume after the interval which was rather a, a surprising turn of events because I would have thought as the the performance itself was aimed at uh, was was entitled Merry Pranks which was the 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 Strauss piece It surprises me that people would be there purely for the the Brahms piece in 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 the first instance, but but then the Brahms piece was was an entirely different an entirely different sound, an entirely different feel to what came after the interval. Just as another guide to people who've never been to a classical concert before, um, especially at the South Bank Centre, and I assume this is the same everywhere around. Um, firstly, please be there on time, if not early, um, because latecomers will not be admitted until the um, until either there is a break in the performance, or otherwise until the uh, until the the interval. Um, unless you've got prior consent from the um, 
the the venue and from presumably the orchestra as well. Um, recording is not permitted in the auditorium. And out of courtesy and comfort as well, really, um, mobile phones and watches are not allowed in the um, in, in the auditorium. And by that, I mean, I mean smart watches, not not wrist watches that you can just tell the time on. Obviously, that's that's um, that's for the perfor- for the purpose of of um not disturbing other people and distracting um other people in the audience um and certainly at the south bank center there is no photography allowed in the in the auditorium and although there there were there were rather a lot of people who did not um who did not uh, ad- adhere to this particular ruling or the one on mobile phones for that matter um mainly the touristy people who uh, snap photos of everything talk a little bit about the performance itself from last night and uh, and try to give a bit of a review for people who perhaps want more of a, a, a novice guide to the performance because you'll you'll hear all the um, all of the, uh, the 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 professional guides to the London Philharmonic, and you'll hear all of the the um, the real journalists, shall we say, giving their uh, their opinion on it. But I wanted to just give you a little bit of a um, a novice guide to start off with. So. I'm used to a lot of um, amateur conductors. I'm used to a lot of amateur orchestras, and the the last amateur orchestra and amateur conductor that I I I saw in person was the the East Midlands Army Cadet Force. Under the um, under the baton of the 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 musical director of the um, of the the army army cadet force. Um, 
so last night to witness the London Philharmonic under the under the extraordinary leadership of Vladimir Yurovsky who it has to be said is one of the the most sought after conductors of the of of today was was quite a treat it was quite a um, quite an adventurous interpretation both by uh, of uh, the certainly the the Brahms piano concerto was a an adventurous interpretation both in the way that it was conducted by Vladimir Yurovsky and the way that it was performed by the the solo pianist um Yefin Bronfman I think I've said that right um who played the piece not in the in the in the usual way that that you would expect it to be played it was very um it was very adventurous in the way that it was in the way that it was performed um because you would expect a piano concerto to be quite relaxing and quite um you would expect it to be played more of a an adagio rather than in the way that it was performed last night um but i think that's that's not just in the way that it was it was performed but also in the way that it was arranged by the conductor and by the um by the orchestra as well the Brahms piano concerto number 2 is both concerto like in the sense that there is a great dialogue between the soloist and the orchestra but it's also very symphonic in the sense that it presents and develops themes with a a very structural coherence But that's not its only contradiction. It offers intimacy and grandeur as contrasting but also as involved shades of expression and it creates a solo part to challenge the most technically accomplished pianist 
while causing its fearsome virtuosity to bury itself in the to bury itself in the symphonic discourse of the orchestra as well. Um, it, I would say it's it's a it's a piece that will very much define any solo pianist, um, and. I would say it can be interpreted in very different ways. I've heard it recorded by many different artists, very uh, different orchestras, different different solo pianists, and it's it's always different. Um, but nevertheless, it was it was nearly nearly an hour's long piece of music last night um, and quite rightly um, welcomed a, a standing ovation by many people and many encores as well After the interval, we heard the piece by Richard Strauss, and we heard um, Elgar's Falstaff as well. Both pieces were, and and always are, very mischievous, very entertaining, and there was a. An experiment last night with a projection of the composer's notes alongside the music, which um, kind of allows you a little bit of a a little bit of a storyline to to follow, a little bit of a plot to follow alongside listening to the music, which I think is a Is a good idea for for novice listeners that that maybe don't really understand that these two pieces of music are very descriptive, very narrative, very um, very much telling a story rather than um, in rather. Rather in contrast to uh, the piano concerto, which was um, very relaxing, very mesmerising. Certainly, certainly for me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how other other, other listeners feel about this, but um, it, there's a very stark contrast between the mesmerising, relaxing tone of a concerto to a narrative piece which is is trying to tell you a story 
Um, both both pieces complement each other fantastically. Um, like I said, they're both, both very mischievous, very... Um, they both tell very similar stories. Um, and, and, yeah, it was... It, it was very thought provoking, very um created a lot of conversation after the piece. Um, which is another thing that that I'm I'm very um very open to conversations about about uh, about music, about classical music, about people's experiences of classical music um and and yeah it was um it, it was it was it was a fantastic performance um very much more rounded and and open with a full orchestra compared to the um the the smaller orchestra that was out with the uh, the the first piece before the interval Are you listening on Anchor by any chance? If you are and you like what you hear and would like to comment on um, on what you're hearing and what you're listening to, please drop me a, a voice message on Anchor and I will include some of the best ones in the next episode of Back to Basics, and we will we will discuss, uh, discuss and and hopefully open up some conversation around those messages. If you're not listening on Anchor and you are listening on any one of the other carriers that that this podcast is available on, then um, then drop me drop me a message on on the blog, on uh, on social media. Or anything like that, and uh, and we will um, we will also get to get some conversation going through that method as well. I hope you enjoy what you're hearing on uh, Bark to Reality if you are and I hope you are you can follow me on Twitter my Twitter handle is rharris11 you can follow the blog that accompanies this series which is barktoreality.wordpress.com Listen along to the Spotify playlist that accompanies this series with music tracks that I talk about in this series. And share with everyone that you think will uh, appreciate what I'm talking about. Um, I hope to... uh, 
open up I hope I'm opening up to a, a totally new audience but also resonate with some seasoned listeners at the same time I hope you've enjoyed listening this week and I hope to have your company again on the next episode of Back to Reality where I will be discussing more pieces of classical music. <laughs>